Everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is touchdown by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? We dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio, powered by Postano. Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. We're happy to be powered by our friends at Postano. Follow them online at Postano.com. Or on Twitter, at Pistano. Very excited to announce that the next Sports Business Radio Roadshow is being presented by Boingo Wireless and will take place on Monday, November 30th at the University of Southern California in Los Angeles. My guest will be Los Angeles Lakers owner and President Jeannie Buss, who is also a USC graduate. The show will be conducted in front of USC student-athletes and sports business students and will be recorded and played on Sports Business Radio in early December. Watch for the link on our Twitter feed at SB Radio, but super excited that Jeannie Buss is going to sit down. I think she's one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful, female in sports. Long history with the Lakers, and uh, really looking forward to the conversation with her on November 30th in front of the USC students. All right, coming up on the show this week, We've got Rob Shack. He is the global head of sports and strategic projects for Reuters News Agency. They have a new service called Sports Desk Direct. Reuters started with the carrier pigeon like 160 years ago. How have they evolved over the years? We'll find out from Rob. Justin Garrity, the president of Pistano, our friends at Pistano, they have something new called Hashtag Analytics. How are they helping people keep track of conversations on social media. We'll talk to Justin about that. Jill Stelfox, we're going to step into the technology lab. She's the VP and GM of Zebra Technologies. They've successfully grown into a $4 billion company based in large part on what is called enterprise asset intelligence, which is turning physical information into digital information. They're using their technology to provide sports teams with valuable analytics and information We'll talk about that with Jill. That's a super interesting conversation you'll want to stay tuned for. And then last but not least, Jeremy Darlow, who is the author of the book Brands Win Championships. He's also the director of brand marketing for football and baseball at Adidas. He's written a really clever outside-the-box book on how to build a brand and how to win championships in the 21st century. So I think you'll enjoy that conversation. I'm joined, as always, by our executive producer, Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? I'm doing great, and I'm just uh, stoked for this show because I think it's, it really covers all kinds of areas of sports that people just don't hear about, you know, analytics, and uh, I love Postano's uh, hashtag thing they're doing. Uh, it's a really interesting show. You're covering all kinds of, uh, you know, sides of sports we don't hear about, and uh, it's exciting. It's a good lineup of uh, interviews, and then, of course, like you mentioned earlier, the uh, road show. I'm super stoked for that, too, because, I mean, hello, L.A. Lakers uh Head, head, head lady. It's going to be fun. And that means that we'll be stopping uh, after we land to get an In-N-Out hamburger. Last time when we were at UCLA, uh, last year in December, uh, you had your first In-N-Out hamburger, and it was quite the experience for you. It was absolutely mind-blowing, and uh, I am counting the days. I got the calendar uh, ticking down because it's going to be uh, it's going to be a tasty day for us. 
So speaking of Baron Davis, how about this, Griggs? Uh, I tweeted out the new Uncle Drew Pepsi commercial at SB Radio. So if you haven't seen the commercial, go to SB Radio and follow me and uh, you can see the link. But I love these Uncle Drew commercials. We've seen Kevin Love. We've seen Bill Russell. Uh, you know, it's Kyrie Irving who is dressed as an old man and a lot of people see him and they're like, wow, this guy, he, he's old. But then he goes out there and starts balling. And uh, in this commercial, our friend Baron Davis is in the commercial. And one of the characters, Ray Allen, is also in the commercial, Jesus Shuttlesworth. And um, it's just a really good spot. I think, you know, what do brands do to remain memorable with people? I totally remember this campaign because it's a very clever campaign. And every time there's a new chapter of the Uncle Drew saga that comes out, I can't wait for it. And, um, you know, I'm not a huge Pepsi drinker, but I really like this campaign. Um, Kyrie Irving directs and stars in the spot. So uh, he's got some talent outside of basketball as well. Yeah, and I love this campaign too, because I think as a fan, anybody likes to, to laugh at their favorite athlete. I mean, who doesn't love Kyrie Lacking like the eighty-year-old guy on the court. I mean, it's hilarious. Right. So I think it, it buckets makes more. Yeah, exactly. It makes them more personable and funny, and you see a humorous side. So it's a great campaign. Yeah, I really like it, and I did not know that uh, Baron Davis was going to be in the commercial. So uh, great opportunity for him, and you know something that will be downloaded tens of millions of times. And uh, happy to see our friend Baron Davis, who was at our road show last December at UCLA is keeping himself busy and doing things like this that he enjoys. All right, let's look at some sports business headlines of the week, Griggs, because there were several of them that were pretty big. So headline number one, New York State's Attorney General sent a letter to Daily Fantasy Games, FanDuel, and DraftKings asking them to stop accepting business from customers within the state. So Eric Schneiderman's letter asserted that Daily Fantasy Gaming is a game of chance, not skill, and therefore constitutes illegal gambling. This is what we've been talking about, Griggs, is when was the government going to get involved? When were state regulators going to get involved? Now New York, a big state with a lot of power, has gotten involved. Now, Daily uh, FanDuel and DraftKings have said that they're going to challenge this and they're going to fight it and they're not going down easy, but... You know, if I'm an investor right now, Griggs, as I tweeted out this week, I'm pretty nervous about all of this. They've been raking in billions of dollars, but I can see on the horizon where this whole thing gets shut down, or at least they have to go do most of their business in Europe and Asia and outside of the United States. Yeah, and you knew it was coming. I mean, just this year, you watch any sporting event on TV, and it's like every other commercial is one of these guys advertising. I mean, you knew, obviously, they have a ton of money because they're spending it, and they're putting it prime time for football games and everywhere. I mean, it's everywhere. So you knew some regulation and some, some things were happening on the horizon, and here we go. New York starts it off, and like you said, huge market, huge state with uh, tons of, uh, obviously, some fancy fans there. So that'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Well, we had Nigel Eccles, CEO of FanDuel, on the show about a month, month and a half ago, and we might have to try and get him on again because a lot yeah. has happened since we spoke with him. But, uh, you know, you've got the NBA, you've got Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys. There's some big investors in these companies. And, uh, you know, I don't think they're going to let their investment go down easy either. So this is going to be a big, big story to keep our eye on. Our next headline, months of student and faculty protests over racial tensions and other issues came to a head this week at the University of Missouri. 
There were demonstrators. We saw the power of student athletes when they band together because there was a threat of a boycott by the Missouri football team. And at the end of the day, Griggs, the high-profile blow came to the president, Timothy Wolf, and the chancellor, R. Bowen Lofton, and they're out. And, you know, I think one of the lessons to be learned here, there's so many layers of these stories, and I'm not going to get into the what happened to the journalists and the racial element of this. And, you know, there's a lot of layers, like I said. But what I took away from this from a sports business perspective is that when student-athletes band together – they have a big voice and they can be heard. And I think if the University of Missouri football team didn't threaten to boycott a game and didn't band together, and if they were fractured, then maybe this resignation from the president, Timothy M. Wolf, wouldn't have happened. So you wonder in the future, will other student athlete organizations, teams, will they band together and unify and show their power in order to affect change? I think you're right. I think you'll see this more and more um, as, as things move on, because and you're right. I mean, who the voice of a football team boycotting? There's so much money involved. Again, money is at the the front of this, or a lot of it. Uh, when they, you know, schools don't want to lose a football game. Obviously, don't want to lose that money in the income. So it's a big thing, and it worked for them. And uh, like you said, there's so many hidden layers to these stories. But I think we're going to see this happening more and more down the road as teams uh, come together to try and get uh, get their way with faculty. Our last headline of the week, you knew this was coming. You knew it was coming. After what happened with Ray Rice, you knew at some point that pictures of Nicole Holder, who was the victim of domestic violence from now Cowboys defensive end Greg Hardy, were going to surface. And they've surfaced in the last week. The police report has surfaced. Deadspin and other outlets had these. And they are graphic pictures. And Griggs, there was more outrage that was directed towards Hardy, the Dallas Cowboys, and the NFL, as I've said many times on this show, there should be no tolerance for domestic violence in the NFL, in Major League Baseball. They're going to have to deal with it because there are now allegedly uh, accusations against Jose Reyes, who's a shortstop with the Colorado Rockies. Major League Baseball has not really had a high-profile domestic violence case since they put their new policy in place. But, you know, Griggs, at the end of the day, the NFL talks about protecting the shield protecting the integrity of the game. And to their defense, they tried to punish Hardy for 10 games, and an independent arbitrator reduced that 10 games to four games. So they tried to penalize him, but I would take it a step further. I would boot Greg Hardy out of the league. I would say I'm using commissioner powers here, and I would say that there's no room in the NFL for this type of player and it's a shame that pictures like this video of Ray Rice in the elevator that those are the things that have to ignite the outrage you should just say look there's a police report this is a legal matter like we shouldn't need the video and the pictures to be upset but if we really want to impact change and several others have said this but I'll chime in as well because this is a sports business show don't go to Cowboys games don't watch NFL games if you're AT&T and you're American Airlines and you're sponsors of the Cowboys or you're sponsors of the NFL, rule with your wallet because the only thing that's going to get the attention of the owners and the league is if sponsors start dropping, if fans stop coming to games, if they stop watching on TV, that's what will get the attention. The NFL has figured out, you know what? These are bumps in the road for us. I just looked at the TV ratings at the midseason point. Huge TV ratings. People are still paying attention. When there's no accountability and there's no consequence for negative actions, 
whether it's an individual or a league, you're going to keep on keeping on, and you're not going to change those habits, and that's exactly what's going on with the NFL. Exactly. The NFL's thinking, why change? Everybody keeps watching more and more every season. Uh, why make a change? And I agree with you. I think there should be zero tolerance. If this happens, done. I mean, just, they're done. The player's done. It's over. Because uh, that's what is going to stop these people from doing it, I think. And, again, like we've talked about, and your company, everything's on the record. Again, videos and pictures of all this stuff are going to surface at some point. And it always comes back around, and here we are, NFL in another issue. It's crazy. Well, and why should Greg Hardy or anyone be able to earn millions of dollars playing in a professional league of any sort when this is what you've done? This is, you know, again, protect the shield, protect the NBA, protect Major League Baseball. You know, it's a privilege to play in these leagues, but if you allow thugs like Greg Hardy to play in your league, it really does tarnish the image of your league. All right. That's our headlines for this week. Griggs, excellent job as always putting the show together. Uh, coming up next, Rob Shack, the global head of sports and strategic projects for Reuters. We're going to find out how they have evolved over the years. Also happy to announce that they are our post event networking reception sponsor for the 2016 sports PR summit on May 16th or May 17th at the players tribune in New York city. So really excited to have them as a partner of that event. Rob Shack coming up next, a packed show on this edition of Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more powered by Postano. SBR will be right back. Hi, it's Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio, but also the founder and CEO of the exclusive Sports PR Summit. The Sports PR Summit is an annual event bringing together senior PR executives from the sports world, national media members, and pro athletes for a full day of panel discussion, featured conversations, and face-to-face networking in New York City. Past speakers have included ESPN reporter Jeremy Schapp, Sports Illustrated executive editor John Wartime, former NFL veterans Tiki Barber and Derek Mason, NBA senior VP of PR Mike Bass, and other top PR minds from across the sports world. The 2016 Sports PR Summit will take place on Tuesday, May 17th at the Players' Tribune, which is a new digital media platform created and curated by some of the world's top athletes and founded by former Yankees great Derek Jeter. The Sports PR Summit is an invite-only event limited to 125 attendees. If you're a senior sports PR executive and you'd like to be invited to the 2016 Sports PR Summit at the Players' Tribune in New York City, Get in touch with us via the Sports PR Summit website at sportsprsummit.com. That's sportsprsummit.com. Follow the Sports PR Summit on Twitter and Instagram at Sports PR Summit and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Sports PR Summit. I hope to see you at the 2016 Sports PR Summit on May 17th at the Players' Tribune in New York City. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is Rob Schack. He is the global head of sports and strategic projects for the Reuters News Agency. We're very excited to announce that Reuters will be the sponsor of our post-event networking reception at the 2016 Sports PR Summit on May 17th at the Players' Tribune in New York City. You can follow Reuters on Twitter at Reuters Agency. Follow Rob on Twitter at Rob Shack. That's S-C-H-A-C-K. Rob, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. How are you? Hi, Brian. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. 
So let's start off by telling our audience about Reuters. I mean, you guys have been a worldwide agency for years and years and years. Let's start with the history of the agency and the organization. Oh, gosh. Uh, the Reuters News Agency is over 160 years old. Um, it's a true story to say that we started off one of the earliest innovations at Reuters was uh, uh, the carrier pigeon um, <laughs> uh, you know, out in Europe. Um, so we've been evolving, obviously, since then um, for, like I said, 160 years to a global news organization um, that's not always a household name, but um, it's actually one of the largest in the world. We have 2,700 journalists. We have 200 bureaus around the world. And what we do is we supply the raw news content, the raw materials to the news organizations, most of you, most any news organization you could imagine, um, to generate the content that they put out on broadcast television, on print, uh, in, in digital publishing, um, to serve their audiences. Um, and, and as a global news agency that, that these publishers depend on, um, you know, Reuters obviously needs to provide quite a bit of sport content. It makes up about 30% of the content we provide today, um, and, and as such, about 30% of our business. So in, in a nutshell, that's who Reuters is. And, and if you keep an eye out, you know, when you're reading the newspaper or watching TV, um, you'll see our name credited there quite a bit once you start to look for it. So a new service that Reuters is offering is called Sports Desk Direct. Tell our audience about that. Sure. So, you know, as a global publisher with, with that scale, right, um, it, it's part of our DNA to be able to deliver content to the news publishing world. And one idea and one direction we're trying to move into is helping sports organizations, teams, leagues, um, or, or any sort of organization globally that wants to grow and wants to gain attention from the news publishing world to be able to put their content on our platform. Um, so traditionally, Reuters has only served our own news to our own customers. And what we're doing is we're opening up the tools and the platforms that we've developed um, to help news organiza sports organizations, who more and more are becoming news organizations, um, to distribute their content, again, to our customer base using all the same tools we have at our disposal. So let's dig into this a little bit. Let's say I'm an NFL team or an NBA team, Major League Baseball, and I want to get my content out via Sports Desk Direct. How does that work? So you'd give us a call, right? And, and what we would do is help set up um, usually someone in a marketing or a PR department to work with our tools to be able to take usually the same content that they'd be, they'd be creating themselves for their own PR or marketing purposes. And what, they would, what we would do is set up a, a, a separate channel for uh, an organization to be able to publish their content over our platforms. And what's, you know, where we have an advantage in helping to get content distributed is that our systems are already hooked into, again, 2,500 news organizations around the world, into their CMS systems, into the tools they use on a daily basis to, to gather the news for the, the publication they're putting out on that day. Um, so you know, we have sort of an advantage here in helping um, teams and leagues, organizations who are starting up their what's effectively a newsroom behind the scenes of their website or their organization to expand and, and gain much greater distribution globally, um, which is, of course, becoming much more of a priority for um, sports leagues. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about the globalization of sports. We've seen the NFL in London, the NBA in Africa, Major League Baseball is talking about playing games in Cuba, I know there was uh, this weekend's cricket all-star visit to New York City. How are you helping those efforts? 
So, so where, and, and these are all great examples from, you know, generally North American sports, but where you see, you know, where you see North American organizations trying to expand globally or where you see, you know, organizations in Asia or in Europe trying to gain attention from uh, Europe or the Americas, Reuters has a customer base that spans all that, you know, obviously globally. We're able to help them get their message out in um, uh, locations and geographies and, and, and op in, in spaces where they're not used to operating, right? So, you know, an American sports team historically has only really marketed, you know, 75-mile radius outside their stadium. Reuters has the capability to help them market in Cuba, the market in um, South Africa, uh, to market in Southeast Asia, their content to the publishing world in that space. Yeah, it's really interesting when I've traveled abroad, uh, specifically to Asia, like when I've gone to China or you know, if I go to the Philippines, I see the NBA, but I don't see any mention of the NFL. I don't see Major League Baseball. So it's true. I mean, if you do travel around the world and especially outside of Europe, you don't see North American sports as prevalent or as showcased as it is obviously here in uh, North America. Exactly. And, and you know, there, there are professionals in those regions who would say the same thing about their sports in, in the Americas, right? right. Obviously, European football is taking off here, and you can see, you know, I think uh, yesterday I opened up ESPN, and it was, I think, two of the top three stories were, were from European soccer, actually. Um, so, yeah, obviously European soccer is taking off here in, in the States, but, you know, there are plenty of other um, uh, sports that are very popular overseas that are trying to gain attention here as well. So it, does, it definitely works both ways, and, and you can see that the, um, the, the attention that leagues and teams are paying to trying to, uh, in trying to gain global notoriety is accelerating. My guest is Rob Shack. He is the global head of sports and strategic projects for the Reuters news agency. Uh, so Sports Desk Direct, one of the services that you guys will offer is you'll even help with content creation. I know there's a lot of people that struggle with what makes for sticky, memorable content. So you guys would help with that as well? Absolutely. I mean, we have a whole, you know, we have a content solutions organization here that's helping um, all sorts of brands and corporates um, create content, utilizing all of the facilities that Reuters has. And I think, um, you know, even before thinking about the, the quality of the content, it, it goes back to just being able to operate globally, being able to hire a stringer photographer in the Philippines, uh, you know, tomorrow. Um, is something we can do that, you know, the average um, sports organization might struggle with, right, if they, if they had an event going on. So, you know, Reuters has a lot of, uh, a lot to bring to the table when it helps, to, uh, when it comes to helping organizations create content as well as distribute it. So let's talk about how content has evolved. I mean, you know, long ago it was the, the newswire, right? And it kind of right. came across the facts or, as you said, carrier pigeon at the very beginning, um, yep. Now we've got social media, we've got email, we've got so many different forms of electronic communications, and it sounds like you guys are utilizing all of those different platforms to get the word out. Yeah, and now it's you know now it's become trying to find the signal and the noise, right? So how do you tie together a package story for for a, a news publisher? How do you help them find the content related to? the story that they want to pick up and use and, and, and find the, the relevant social media content, find the snippets of video, find the, 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 the photos. You know, historically, news agencies have been basically wires where we're pushing lots and lots of raw material and letting our customers, you know, make something out of it themselves. There's so much now that we need to do a lot more uh, to help them make the connections to both our content and other content out there that 
um, is free for them to pick up. Well, and to take that a step further, everyone's struggling with how do we monetize digital content. So I know one of the things you guys have done is you've launched Open Media Express to help small digital publishers get access to a limited set of content. And, you know, how, how are you guys helping people solve that riddle of monetizing digital content? Well, I'll tell you, it, it, you know, we've had a top, you know, top 15 business news website um, coming out of Reuters since, you know, almost the, the what, year 2000, I believe, is when it really kicked off. Um, so we're digital publishers in our own right um, and, and for quite some time. And we know that, you know, things change so fast. It's, it's hard to, um, it's hard to, to, to keep up. It's hard to, to, to stay ahead of the curve. It's really hard to predict what's going to happen next and even harder to predict when that's going to happen. Um, so, you know, we're very, you know, obviously, you know, starting from the carrier pigeon, like I said, there's been some innovation here. Um, and we sort of have that baked into our, into our blood, into our DNA as well in that, you know, we're always trying new things and we're always trying to figure out what the next right step is. So earlier this year, you know, we, we took a kind of an unprecedented step by taking a segment of the content we normally sell by subscription and making it available for free. And, and the idea is that we want to reach out to the smaller uh, digital publishers who are out there. Anybody can start up their own publication, and that, that's been true for, for quite a while now. Um, but more and more, we're seeing those publications gain quicker notoriety, grow fast, and struggle with how to get from a few person, a few people, you know, in, in sort of a virtual garage to uh, an actual organization that 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 you know, on the up and up and, and growing quickly to uh, to to a real public organization. We've been, you know, on the ground floor as as providers to, you know, the likes of Huffington Post and BuzzFeed, and we saw them evolve over time. And we struggled with trying to serve them while they were still struggling to figure out how to monetize their content. So. This is a step towards helping these small publishers be able to pick up and use some of our content for free with no strings attached, um, uh, you know, and, and help them start off with us and hopefully grow with us over time. Okay, so if I'm listening to this interview right now and I want to use Sports Desk Direct or Open Media Express, how do I do that? So for Media Express, you would just Google Media Express, and you'll, it'll take you right to the site. And it's actually the same tool that our, that our, our subscribers use, the same exact tool. Um, and you can sign up there. It's a quick form you know, to log in and be able to take a look at the content we can provide to you for your own publication. Uh, for Sports Desk Direct, you can, you can navigate to our, our news agency uh, website, which I'm sure Brian will link you to um, later, and, uh, and, and ask for a demo. And we'd be happy to get on the phone with you and, and show you how it works. Yeah, follow us on Twitter at SB Radio, and we'll tweet that out. But then also follow Reuters on Twitter at Reuters Agency, and then follow Rob on Twitter at Rob Shack. Again, Rob Shack, the global head of sports and strategic projects for Reuters News Agency. Very excited about having them as our sponsor of our post-event networking reception at the 2016 Sports PR Summit at the Players' Tribune in New York on May 17th. Rob, thanks so much for telling us more about your services and how it's evolved. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that will be interested in uh, being subscribers. Thanks, Brian. We're really excited to be working with you, too. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Podcast this show and any other past SBR episode at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back with more SBR, powered by Postano, after this. Hi, it's Brian Berger. 
Here at Sports Business Radio, we are proud to work with our partners, Pastano. They make a sports-proven visual marketing platform that I've personally been amazed to see. Teams like the Dallas Cowboys, Boston Red Sox, LA Kings, and Cleveland Cavaliers all use Pastano to engage their fans. When sports teams and fans tell their stories together, amazing things can happen. Every fan has a story. Whether you want to put selfies on the Jumbotron, create a dynamic social media command center, or activate a hashtag campaign on your website, Pistano can design an amazing social experience true to your brand. Even better, using the Pistano platform can pay for itself through selling sponsorships. As an example, the Kings sell sponsor space to Toyota and other clients and run the ads using Pistano. Want to see what your team's social content could look like? Schedule a demo today. Go to pistano.com slash sports. If you're a fan of this podcast, you understand the real power of engaging your fans. And these guys get it. That is P-O-S-T-A-N-O dot com. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. My guest is Justin Garrity. He is the president of our partner, Postano. You can find him on Twitter at Justin O. Garrity. You can find Postano on Twitter at Postano or at Postano.com. Justin, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. How are you? Good. Great to be here. Thanks so much, Brian. So you guys have a lot of really cool stuff going on. Let's start for our audience who may not be familiar with Postano. Tell us a little bit about the company and what you do. Sure. Pistano is a fan engagement platform. We specialize in visualizing social uh, content as well as measuring how well that social content is performing. So think of us as the way to uh, visualize great social content like at a game up on the big scoreboard or on the website uh, really celebrating what fans are saying about the team uh, or about what the team is is saying about the fans. So um, you can see some great Instagram photos or tweets all visualized in a very stylized way, uh, in a way that really gets everyone excited. Um, so that's what Pistano does. And we also have a measurement side of that, which is, uh, I think, what we're talking about today. Yeah. And just to let people know, some of Pistano's clients are the Dallas Cowboys, the LA Kings, the Boston Red Sox. I mean, you have some really big sports clients and you've done some big projects. But let's talk about hashtag analytics. This is new. You guys just revealed this last week. I think it's going to be attractive to many people who work in the sports business industry. Tell us a little bit about Hashtag Analytics. Yeah, Hashtag Analytics is our newest product, uh, just released last week. Um, it really has a, a really strong focus on understanding how well a hashtag is performing. So, I mean, almost every single sports team out there either is promoting a hashtag or the fans have created one that uh, they've all adopted. But uh, as games essentially are coming up or as people support the teams, uh, you'll definitely see, you know, people using hashtags to essentially show support and also to be part of a community that's all using the same hashtag. And our tool allows you to see how the hashtag is performing, who the biggest influencers are, and understand kind of the sentiment and the mood of the fans, uh, as well as learning a little bit more about them. So it's a great dashboard for people to be able to see everything kind of at once, right? That's right. That's right. You you have a, a very simple but highly visual dashboard. So it's unlike any other kind of analytics tool out there. You not only see what the volume is and what's working, but you actually get to visually see the posts right there in the dashboard on what the like the most uh, engaged post was 
uh, for the last like 30 days or the, or the top eight or the top 20 per day. You really get this visual view of what's working and, and who the top influential people are. So since you released this last week, I'm sure you've played around with this. What have been some of the hashtags that you followed and what's the conversation around those hashtags? Sure. I was uh, in preparation for this interview. I put in a couple of Blazers hashtags last night uh, just to see kind of what was what was up with the Blazers. And uh, they've got two big hashtags that, you know, fans have been using. One is Go Blazers and the other is Rip City. And I wanted to see the difference between those two hashtags and learn some really interesting things. One is Go Blazers is a hashtag that many other teams called the Blazers use. So what you'll get is conversations from Alabama to Georgia to Portland, all using the Go Blazers hashtag. So it's interesting that as people show their support for the Blazers, they're kind of putting putting themselves into a pool of a bunch of other people hmm. from different states, all supporting other teams called the Blazers. Um, but uh, the top post there, top engagement is from a fan, took a picture of their kid and, uh, and a, wearing a Blazers t-shirt to show his support. And uh, that one has the most uh, uh, engagement. So it's kind of interesting to see that the Portland Blazers are really coming through on the hashtag. Uh, but when you go to Rip City, you'll see something completely different. You'll see much more volume, much more support. That's, that's the hashtag that most Blazers fans are using. Um, and uh, that's the one that the the players themselves, including Damian, uh, uh, is using, and he is really dominating as the top post in terms of engagement uh, for the Blazers. So during the games and in the, even in between the games, his posts are receiving you know up to 36,000 likes on Instagram for his posts that he's sharing uh, on behalf of the team. Uh, and so you'll see that uh, uh, that fans themselves, but also the players, are using that uh, Rip City hashtag. So explain to people, there are some people, believe it or not, that may be listening to this interview right now and they go, what in the world is a hashtag? I don't understand <laughs> what a hashtag is. What right. is its purpose? Explain what a hashtag is. Yeah, it's, um, it is a way on social networks, primarily Instagram and Twitter, uh, where you can put in a phrase with no spaces uh, uh, and it's following a pound symbol or a hash symbol. And uh, that creates a link. And uh, once you post it on social networks and you've created that link in your post, so you have a hashtag like uh, pound symbol or hashtag rip city, no spaces. If you put that into your tweet or on your Instagram posts, then other users that see your tweet or Instagram post can click on or, or, or tap on that link and they will see other users or other fans that have also used that same phrase. And so it kind of puts you into a group of people that are all using that same phrase, uh, that hashtag, and you're kind of being grouped together. So you can quickly see and get introduced to, uh, for sports, you get introduced to other fans that really share your same love of the game and of the team. And then, uh, then by using that hashtag and people finding your post, then you'll gain more followers and, and connect to the community in that way. So it's a really great way to create an ad hoc connection to other people that are also supporting that same uh, hashtag. Yeah, it's interesting with hashtags because I, you know, everything you said is obviously accurate. I, what I tell my clients is it's a way to categorize yourself or your your conversation. And but there's some people out there that will like use hashtag having a bad day or hashtag you know, like they just <laughs> it's almost like they put down like what they're feeling is a hashtag instead of yeah. thinking okay this is part of a campaign or part of a, a category so 
you know, I think it's important to differentiate between those people that may be using it almost like an emoji versus the people who are using it for professional purposes. And that's why your new hashtag analytics campaign is, is such a great tool for people who are using it for that purpose. Now, I know you can go on to Pistano.com and you can request a demo and test this hashtag analytics out for, what, a month or a few weeks? Yeah, it's 14 days. Uh, you get a free demo and you can put in a hashtag and follow it. And so if, you, if you're uh, part of a team or a sports team, just put that in and you get to see seven days backfill. So seven days uh, historic data plus anything going forward. You can track how many people are using that hashtag, uh, who the top influencers are, top posts, sentiment, all sorts of great information. And if you upgrade to one of our other packages, you'll also get demographic information. And that'll give you things like what TV shows are those people interested in that are using the hashtag? Uh, what brands influence them? Uh, which age group are they? Um, gender. So you get to really understand that audience that's participating using that hashtag, uh, which just gives you a tremendous amount of information. And then if you sign up for the demo, explain to people, is this a monthly service? How does this work, the hashtag analytics uh, uh, subscribership? Sure. Yeah, it's a monthly service. It's a monthly subscription. Uh, we have a number of different packages ranging from one campaign to five campaigns to 10 campaigns. And if you need more than that, then definitely call us or contact us. But it's all online, self-sign up. If you go to postano.com and follow the link to hashtag analytics, it's all laid out there. And uh, yeah, it's just a monthly subscription. You can track as many hashtags as, as you'd like uh, as you're paying for and just get uh, great insight into what's working. And you can even track, and this is great for sports, you can track not only your own hashtags, but all your competition's hashtags. Mm. So if you want to see the fans of the other team or how the other team is performing on social, it'll give you that insight uh, right there in the same dashboard. Or even brands. I mean, not just teams. Exactly. Like, you know, if you're Nike and you want to see what Adidas is saying or vice versa, or, you know, you're Coke and you want to see what Pepsi is saying. I think it's so important to be able to track those conversations and the people who are on social media I would say engage more than like the average person and um, you can pick up so many of their habits and demographics. And, and I think it's really important. And, you know, from where I come from as a PR person, you know, let's say that you were going to search the hashtag Greg Hardy last week when the photos were released from the police report. And there was so much conversation around Greg Hardy in the NFL. If I'm someone tracking that conversation from a PR perspective, what are journalists saying? What are media outlets saying? What are influencers right. saying? It's such an important tool to be able to have at my disposal. Yeah, and it works in real time. So as an event like that unfolds, it's getting updated all the time in real time. You can track it not only historically, but if something is breaking right now, you'll see who's using that hashtag, what are they saying, who are they in terms of an audience, and uh, who are the most influential people uh, they're talking about it. Uh, really, really valuable tool. And you, like you said, for, you know, we talked about teams, sports. Yeah, definitely for brands, marketing campaigns. Really, anything where a hashtag is appropriate, you can track that and see uh, what's happening performance-wise in real time. Really valuable. So I know we talked about hashtag analytics. You also have the command center, which is like my favorite toy of, of everything that you guys produce. It's just this huge like NASA-looking unit. You can see it online at Pistano.com, but it gives you tons of uh, information and, and graphics uh, at your disposal as well. So uh, the command center, I imagine, is is uh, being pushed out to teams and brands as well, right? 
That's right. Think of hashtag analytics as your desktop uh, tracking tool for hashtags. The command center is for real-time social information uh, around an event or a team or a brand happening right now. And it just gives you this, yeah, you're exactly right. It's a big wall. Uh, our typical installation is about 20 feet across. And uh, yeah, think about it in terms of the, uh, the Avengers or Minority Report big wall of data all around social content. So you can track everything controlled from a phone or a tablet. A team can gather together and get all sorts of real-time insight categorized uh, and uh, analyzed uh, right for uh, immediate um, uh, insight. It's a really, really fun and uh, great tool to use for real-time events. Well, and as I've said many times on this show, we use Pistano at our Sports Business Radio Road Shows. We've got one coming up on November 30th at USC with Lakers owner Jeannie Bust, and we'll have the Pistano visuals there. Uh, we're using the hashtag SB Radio USC, so that's a great way for us to see all of the conversation inside and outside the room after the event, see what people were saying about our conversations with uh People at the road show. We've had you guys at the sports PR summit. So that's always been great for our audience to be able to engage in as well. Before I let you go, you know, I always like to ask you guys about like latest trends with social media and what you're seeing. What are you seeing out there right now? Other than like analytics and, and things like that, what are people engaging with on social? I think what, what we're seeing is, uh, the use of photography and video just continues to skyrocket as a way to communicate. So whereas, you know, social, you know, previously was, was more about statements and messages. We're definitely seeing that video and photo content is just soaring in terms of the primary way to communicate a message. And originally original content coming from fans, you know, whether it's them snapping their own video or their own photography, and then what they're posting, the quality continues to just improve dramatically. So I feel like everyone's becoming a very, very good photographer and videographer out there uh, through the use of social media. It's pretty amazing to see the quality from fans across the board on different social networks just continue to improve uh, in those mediums. Uh, it's really impressive. We've really become our own individual news platforms, haven't we? That's right. I feel like in school, we always got uh, taught that we were going to be astronauts one day. And I feel like what we've ended up becoming is really good photographers. So uh, the future is about becoming a, a really good photographer. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's Justin Garrity, the president of Pistano. You can follow him on Twitter at Justin O. Garrity, and that's Garrity with two R's. And you can follow Pistano online at Pistano.com or on Twitter at Pistano. Justin, always appreciate uh, you joining me and your support and continued success with everything you're working on. Thank you so much for the interview and for the chance to talk about hashtag analytics. Uh, thank you, Brian. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is SBR, powered by Postano. More after this. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bowl Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks 
for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, uh, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. Bringing you up to speed on the latest breakthroughs in the world of sports. Let's enter the Technology Lab. My guest is Jill Stelfox. She is the Vice President and General Manager, Location Solutions at Zebra Technologies. You can follow her on Twitter at Jill Stelfox. That's with one L. You can follow Zebra online at Zebra.com. Jill, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me. So Zebra Technologies has grown into a $4 billion company based in large part on what is called enterprise asset intelligence. What is that? We think enterprise asset intelligence is the ability to sense what's going on in your world, to analyze it really quickly and act on it. So with the NFL, for instance, I know you work closely with the NFL. You work real closely with the New Orleans Saints. Give our listeners an example of what you're doing with the Saints to be able to capitalize on that asset intelligence. Yeah, we uh, work with the Saints in practice. And what we do is we track their players using ultra-wideband technology to um, give them all the information about um, how they're running, distance running, their matchups um, between practice, you know, offense, defense, uh, who's most effective. And we give that information to the coaches, trainers, literally on the side of the field during practice in real time. So it takes under half a second to get all that information you know, off of the football players and into the hands of the decision makers so they can do something about it. So let's drill into this a little bit more. So you've got, let's say, Drew Brees of the Saints. Are you putting sensors on him, on his uniform? Like, how does that all work where you're able to take that data and then give it to the coaching staff to use for analytic information? We have two tags on Drew Brees, one on his uh, left shoulder and one on his right and in practice they're just sewn into the jerseys because most of the time in practice you don't actually practice with your pads on so it's just sewn into the jersey in a game environment they actually are in the shoulder pads themselves they're attached to the shoulder pads um, left shoulder right shoulder so it's very similar in game and in practice And then around the practice field, we have receivers that pick up that information. So, for example, when the Saints practice indoors, which is most of the time because uh, it's really steamy in New Orleans. So um, in their practice facility, we've got about a dozen receivers. Um, In their dome, we've got, you know, for game day, there's about 22 receivers around the dome. So the information blinks from those tags, caught by the receivers, and goes to a server that we have on site called MotionWorks. And MotionWorks takes all that data and compares it to the rules of football. They're doing a seven-on-seven scrimmage, or the offense is practicing with this specific playbook. And we 
make the information that's happening on the practice field merge with the game plan that they're wanting to achieve. So if you're Sean Payton and the coaching staff in New Orleans, what information are you finding is most important to them or to any NFL coaching staff that you're producing? So all of this data has been available in this kind of way for player tracking for really two seasons, last season and this season. So I would say that it's brand new what we're doing. And it started off being very simple things like if you have a player who is injured, so maybe they had a hamstring pull the game before, and the trainers are saying, look, we want them to practice at half speed. Hmm. Well, what's what's half speed? You have to know what whole speed is. Right. You know what half speed it's is. It's true. You're right. So um, we've been able to sort of quantify for um, – you know, a given player, Marcus Colston, you know, what's full speed for him? And then if he's got an injury, what's half speed look like so that we can do that? The other thing that was super simple that we didn't realize when we all started this is the amount of time that you actually practice or warm up, if you will, before a game. Um, and warm-ups account for a big part of the exertion on game day. Um, In some cases in college, for example, we've seen it account for 30 to 35%, which is, if you think about it, a lot. If you haven't even started the game and 35% of your energy is used, um, that's tough. And so what can we do to make simple changes in how you warm up or how you practice to be able to get the most out of game day? So I would say very simple pieces of information at this point. Jill Stelfox of Zebra Technologies is our guest. You can find her on Twitter at Jill Stelfox. Find Zebra online at zebra.com. Analytics is so huge in sports today. Teams are looking for any edge, whether it's how do I get my players more sleep? How do I get them the right diet? You know, what you're talking about right now is, is going to give some teams uh, advantage, at least how they navigate with their own players. Where do you see the growth here with what you're doing with Zebra? So I think the growth comes in a couple of different ways. One big way, if I, you know, sort of look ahead four or five years, being able to bring together one picture of the athlete. You mentioned things like sleep, diet. Um, So much of that is critical to the health of a player. And we've seen over and over again successful teams, not just in football, but in basketball and other places, if you can keep your players healthy, you actually, you know, it turns into more wins and you actually do better. And so I think player health and safety is going to dramatically change, but it's only going to change if we work together. If there's some common themes around, you know, the methodology for collecting heart rate and collecting nutrition information, all of that comes together. And if you think of it from a consumer experience today, We have one, you know, we might have a Fitbit that tracks steps, and then we've got a different app on our phone that might do nutrition. All of that's going to come together in the next five years, which I think will be really exciting for not just consumers, but for professional athletes. So that'll be fun. Now, I know you traveled with the NFL over to London when they went a few weeks ago. Uh, What did you look for during that trip? What did the NFL want Zebra to provide them with during that trip? 
So that was uh, exciting for us. We had um, only done international or the only international games we had done with the NFL was the three this year. So last year we did not do it. So this was the first time. And one of the things that we were excited to sort of test out was the ability to collect that information during a game. And it takes us about half a second to get it to the broadcast track in the venue so that they can use it for the Jumbotron or for television. But how long would it take us to get it from that venue all the way to the NFL cloud that's you know, in Los Angeles and then out to the partners, um, Xbox, who's using it live, NFL.com that's using it live for fantasy football. How long would all of that take? And what we found out is it's no different running a game in London than running it in, in the States. And then that was kind of exciting for us. Oh, I bet. Yeah. To find, I mean, to find out that this is a global application and you could use this anywhere in the world, I'm sure that has the cloud or technologies that allows you to uh, transmit this data. That's got to be really exciting. What do you hear from broadcasters about using this? Are they using it? Do they understand it completely yet? So again, I think it's new. We've been using it in broadcast just for two seasons, last season and this season. And I would say we're all getting better at it. We're getting better at the stories you can tell around the data. You know, there's fun things like um, speed of a player or distance of a player on a particular run back. That's been something we've shown for a couple years and really fun. But now we're starting to see more information around um, matchups or productivity. There was a recent... um, Next Gen is what they call it on television, Next Gen Stats. And so there was a story around J.J. Watt and the number of times in the season he stopped people in the backfield, so behind the line. And it was far more than than stops he had made where they had gotten through the line, which was pretty fascinating. I mean, he's just such a productive guy. And so to see those kind of stats, that's kind of new and different fun for us. So we've talked about the NFL. Are there other leagues that you're in the process of doing deals with so you can work with their athletes as well? So I would say that every major league in the U.S. is actively looking at what to do about player tracking because fans really love this stuff. Um, We've seen that in the NFL. They've seen it in the NBA. And so I think – you're going to see more and more of that. And Zebra definitely wants to do that. We're also working internationally. Um, FIFA and others have made um, fun decisions around player tracking and player tracking efforts. So I suspect, by the way, over the next five years, every major sport in the world will have player tracking, not just for coaches and trainers, but for us fans to enjoy as well, which will be really fun. And then are there third-party partners that you can do business with going forward, whether it's, I don't know, fantasy football or baseball or basketball? Maybe talk about that a little bit because I'm sure you've thought about that as part of your growth plan. Yes. So I think there are a lot of integrated players that are going to make these kind of systems successful. Um, You know, in – Soccer, for example, you know, we see where it may be both a tagged kind of system like ours along with some optical um, stuff 
might be ultimately what the solution is. Um, I also think there's going to be a lot of wearable kind of technology that we'll want to use to get even more information. Um, things like, especially in practice, heart rate, um, hydration, some really important things around health and safety. And all of those companies, we all have to form a community so that we can provide data with the same speed and accuracy um, for the people that are going to make decisions. You know, so if you've got a heart rate monitor and you deliver information in five minutes, well, five minutes is too late if something really is wrong. And so the timing of everything is important and then the, how the delivery of it's important as well. And so I do think in sports, it's going to be a big community of companies coming together to provide solutions. And I think you'll see more of that from us. So I have a 10-year-old daughter. She plays soccer. If I said, hey, I'd love to outfit her team with Zebra Technologies and you know see what they're doing and, and come up with that data, I probably couldn't afford it, I'm assuming. But uh, give our listeners kind of an idea as to how high-end this is. Is this something that only pro teams could afford or could colleges and high school athletics afford your services as well? So I think for us, we see our market as college and above today. Um, places where you have a need for broadcast integration, um, a large number of fans, and you know a really um, important need for health and safety around players. And so I think we see it as college and above. However, there is a market that's really going downstream to, you know, I would say any, any athlete really around wearing GPS equipment that works outside. It doesn't always work inside, but it definitely works outside. And all the kind of wearables that you can think of, whether it's heart rate or anything else, um, that can be used in the amateur market. And so I, I do think for us, Probably not, but for any athlete that wants to do tracking, give it a couple of years and you'll be able to get close to the kinds of data that's tracked in professional sports if you're an amateur, which will be great for you if you're getting scouted or want to deliver information for scouting so that somebody could pay attention to you as an athlete in high school, for example. What are your biggest challenges moving forward? So it's a really competitive market for um, player tracking today because it's brand new. Um, and there are um, – it's, it's brand new, and I would say it's high pressure. So delivering information for 32 teams in under half a second, every play, all the time, internationally, that's hard. And we figured it out, which we're excited about, and we think we can scale it, which we're also excited about. Uh -huh. um, but I think that that's, I, you know, one of the biggest challenges is I think folks that are making decisions around player tracking need to understand is that kind of scale, it takes, it takes a big company and it takes a lot of effort to do. So um, I think that's probably the biggest challenge. Before I let you go... Our listeners are always interested to hear how executives like yourself got started in the business that they're in. How did you get into this? So I um, worked uh, prior to Zebra Technologies. I worked in the venture capital industry. 
um, and did a lot with wireless and wireless information. And so when I came here and we had these great assets in the Zebra portfolio, it seemed like our next greatest sport um, or our next greatest industry should be sports. And so we went into it really quickly and it's been very successful. Jill Stelfox, the Vice President and General Manager, Location Solutions at Zebra Technologies. Follow her on Twitter at Jill Stelfox. Follow Zebra online at Zebra.com. Jill, thanks so much for joining us on Sports Business Radio. Thank you. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in the know at SportsBusinessRadio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more powered by Postano. SBR will be right back. Sophia Berger. I want to tell you about the Pixie Project. The Pixie Project matches pets to the right people. The Pixie Project takes pride in finding matches for both people and animals. The Pixie Project also offers low-cost veterinary assistance. My family worked with the Pixie Project to adopt our lovable puppy, Scotty. He's a great addition to our family. So if you get a dog or cat, kitten or puppy, you should go to the Pixie Project. To learn more about the Pixie Project, visit them at www.pixieproject.org. This is Sports Business Radio. My guest is Jeremy Darlow. He is the author of the book Brands Win Championships. He's also the director of brand marketing for football and baseball for Adidas. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeremy Darlow. That's D-A-R-L-O-W. Jeremy, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. So I've got to tell you, I read a lot of books. I get a lot of people that come on the show and, and want to promote their books. In 11 years, your book is one of my favorite books that I've read that someone has sent me. I think it's really brilliant, great information. I'm looking forward to this conversation where we can dig into it a little bit. But give our audience a little bit about your background and the reason you felt compelled to write this book. Uh, well, first, thanks for saying that. That's, uh, that's overwhelming to hear. Um, the background is kind of funny. It was uh, actually 11 years ago. I had just graduated from school, from college, and I got my first my first job at a corporation in, in the corporate headquarters. It was at a department store that is now extinct. Um, I didn't like it. I didn't like working there. I wasn't the target consumer. I, I wasn't happy there. And I remember vividly, and I always bring this up to, to people that ask me this, I was in a status meeting with my boss, you know, one of those one-on-one meetings that we all love. Yeah. And I was uh I was just recognizing that I I didn't want to be there and I didn't this wasn't my passion. And I had two passions at the time and I was thinking about them in my head and I'd already been going through a lot of um, subject matter around them and actually engaging in them in certain ways. It, one was marketing. I was reading everything and anything that I could touch. And it sounds silly and it sounds forced, but truly, whatever for whatever reason, I, I became really into psychology and um, the business of psychology, which in, in my terms became marketing. I was reading Gladwell and Seth Godin and Scott Bedbury, three of my favorite authors, especially at the time. And the second thing was Oregon State sports. I went to Oregon State. I was coming out of the Dennis Erickson era. We had a ton of success uh, once I got to school, which was really fortunate for me based on the, the, the previous uh, struggles that the school had had prior to, 
prior to me getting there. And I, I put those two things together. And in my head, I'm in this meeting, and I'm thinking, why am I not putting on paper all of the things that I have up top, you know, and all the things that I've been thinking about? And I had been a uh, of a rare contributor to a message board, an Oregon State message board about athletics. And I went on this Jerry Maguire-like diatribe at one point about the brand and the university not honestly putting enough effort into building a brand that would be differentiated. And I was, I was so passionate about it. And I was thinking about that exact uh, message and that, that idea that I put out there into the world. And people were, were engaging with it and they really liked it and they were uh, responding really positively, positively to it. So I was kind of coming off of that high and in this meeting just thinking to myself, why am I doing this? This is not what I want to do. So that night I started to put down all my thoughts on paper and it was never my intent to, to make money on, on the book. And I don't even know if people make money on books for the most part. I'm certainly not. But I wanted my passion to be put down somewhere and I wanted to, it was my goal to hold the book in my hand. And, uh, you know, 11 years later, here I am and I have it, and the reception's been amazing. I'm, I'm overwhelmed. Like I said, what, what you just said was, uh, it, it, it means so much to me to hear that, and it, it truly is a passion for me. So that was that's how it all started, and it, you know, this past January it published, and, and here I am talking to you. The book is Brands Win Championships. You can get it on Amazon and at bookstores. Uh, and it's a really good read. Uh, you start off by talking about the athletic program life cycle. Explain to our audience what makes up the athletic program life cycle because it's really kind of the core of the book in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's a couple things in here that I think are core ideas and that life cycle is absolutely one of them, if not the most important. And it's, it's basically four, four prongs. So it starts with perception to me. Everything, just like any consumer product, I believe athletic programs in college sports are consumer products. I, I see them as the same, just as a Pepsi is going up against Coke to you know, gain market share and, and gain loyalty. You're doing the same thing if you're in the Pac-12 or the Big 12 or, or whatever it is. You're trying to convince people, to, to, and high school kids specifically, to choose your brand. And perception drives everything in, in brand marketing. I've, I've worked in several industries. It's all about perception. Perception is reality. So the first step in the cycle, the first pillar is perception. And perception to me then leads to recruiting. Every conversation that I have with athletic departments is about recruiting. And recruiting is the lifeblood of, of a program, right? And the stats suggest whether we like the star system or not, the stats do suggest that the teams that are getting the highest rated recruits are the ones that are winning consistently. So recruiting is obviously crucial for your success. That's leading to the third, um, the third pillar, which is winning. You know, again, the stats suggest that recruiting leads to winning. The better recruits that you get, the more success you have on the field, on the court, on the diamond, et cetera. And the last thing is the fourth pillar, and it's a little circle, a little cycle. The fourth pillar is basically money and revenue and putting people in the stands. That money can then come back and be invested into your university, your program specifically around things like facilities or uniforms or um, marketing, traditional marketing, out of home, print, social media, 
all of those things can come back, be invested into the program, and that just feeds into perception. And you're for, if you've done all of those things correctly, that second cycle, your perception should have improved. When you go through the cycle again, your recruiting should have, should have improved. And if the stats are correct, your winning should improve. And if you're winning, again, you get money, and around and around you go. But the, the thing that's so important to me and what I try to convey in the book is that it starts with perception. That is what's elastic in that cycle. It's really difficult to just start with recruiting and say, yes, we've been four and seven for the last five years, but it's all different now. You want to come to our school, trust me. You know, there, there needs to be a backbone to that. There needs to be a foundation to that. There needs to be a brand identity that, that, a brand identity that a kid can relate to and say, I want to wear that badge. That's what it is. Those logos and these schools, they're badges. And you have to convince a kid to wear your badge. So for me, the biggest thing uh, in that cycle, and, and again, it is a really important concept in the book, is perception and being able to, to manage that perception and build against it. Jeremy Darlow, the author of the book Brands Win Championships, is joining us here on Sports Business Radio. One of the you have some really cool infographics in the book, and one of the things that really popped and stuck out to me is teens pick brands, pros pick contracts. And it's so true because you've got to remember in college athletics, you're going after teenagers. You're going after people who like uniforms, who like certain logos, who like you know, certain colors and music and locker rooms, those are the things yeah. that appeal to them. Whereas the pros, like you say, they're going after the money. They're going to go where the the stability and the contract is. I just thought that was really uh, another key point that the book made. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, it's so interesting, the different dynamic that you have. You You can lose to win in pros you know, in the professional sports um, arena. Because if you lose, if you go 3-13, and 13, there's a good chance that you're going to get the first pick in the draft. And that could turn your your program, if you want to call it that, around. You don't have that luxury in college sports. You have to prove success or prove that you're going in the right direction or prove that your brand is different and unique to convince this kid who again is 17 years old and he's and he's very much influenced by his um, his counterparts, you know, his friends. And if he's not going to the cool school, quote unquote, he he's gonna he or she they're gonna be affected by that. They're gonna be influenced by that. They're gonna feel insecure about that, right? And that's that's the difference. Again, to your point, what you brought up in in the NBA and in, in Major League Baseball in in the NFL. At that point, you're not choosing the brand. You're choosing the, the contract. And if you don't choose it entirely for the contract, it absolutely comes into your decision-making process. If it's not number one, it's number two or number three. Uh, it's entirely about the brand, in my opinion, when it comes to college sports. So that, to me, is a, is a huge difference, and it, it changes your strategy when you're, when you're thinking about marketing or building a brand in college versus what you would do in the, in the uh, professional ring. So when I'm not hosting this show, uh, I'm a, a PR hack like your buddy, uh, Michael, our buddy, Michael. And, uh, you know, one of the things we always talk about with our clients is great stories. And you talk in the book about how strong brands start with great stories. Elaborate on that. Well, I, I always think people ask me what I do 
and I, it's hard. To, I, so I'm, I'm the director of brand marketing, and it's hard for me to explain a lot of times what I do. You know, I can say TV commercials, and people will be like, oh, okay, so I, I, you do TV commercials, I get it. But it's, it's so much more than that. You know, it's, you're, you're a writer, you're a storyteller. My job is to create a brand and that's going to be successful in 10 years. It's not to create a brand that's going to be successful next year. Yes, next year is important, but next year is chapter one of a 10-chapter book that at the end climaxes in, in success and, and for us in market share or for um, a, a college football program, a national championship. So to me, it's, it starts at the front with where do you want to go? Where do you want, what do you want to be? What's the story that you want to tell a 17 or 18-year-old kid or their parents or fans? And then write that story continuously on a path to success that's not, it's not 12 months. The same way that a coach will come into a program and say, look, this isn't going to be turned around in a, in a day or in a year. It's going to be a three- to five-year process. So is, so is writing a story and building a brand. Those two things, are they coincide. Um, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. It's, it's the same sort of philosophy in the same way that you need to look at brand building. You've got to write a story, and the story, it can't be a short story. That doesn't work. It's got to be a novel, and people have to be invested in it and have to, to hear the same things over and over again. Um, one of the key philosophies in the book, again, or one of the key points, I guess, uh, you could say in the book, in order for something to stick, in my opinion, you have to have consistency and you have to have frequency. It's so crucial, and I say it every day at work. Um, I preach it every day I, that I talk about the, the 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 world of college sports. Anybody that asks me how do I how do I create a brand that resonates, you could say anything. I truly believe you could say anything. The word resonate, I think, is a misnomer because you could say anything over and over and over again, and I think it'll stick. I truly do. It's a matter of making sure that the story that you're going to convey is the appropriate story at the front. Once you get there, and that's the second chapter of the book, is writing that story. Once you get to a point where your story is unique and authentic and genuine to who you are as a program, as an athletic program, the third step, and there's only three steps, and there's only three chapters in the book for a reason, because I, I do think it's a simple process. The third step in that is, is then consistently speaking and telling that story. And the frequency and the consistency, they're, they, they're not mutually exclusive. And if you don't have one, it's not going to work. Well, and then you talk in the book about where to tell the story. So here's some stats in your book. 85% of 18 to 29-year-olds use their phones to go online. You say by 2018, experts are predicting that global shipments of tablets will exceed those of desktop and laptop computers by nearly 100 million units. And you talk about the number of tweets around sporting events. So social media and the storytelling that takes place on social media is super important to reach these young people that can help turn your brand around on the field of play, right? Absolutely. I mean, I, we live on our phones now. I mean, I'm, I'm 34 years old and, and I live on my phone. So I can only imagine if I'm 12 years old in five years, how much time have I invested in my phone? I mean, that is, that is the world we live in now. Our phones are our outlet to the world. I mean, that it's, it's at our hip at all times. It's in our hand at 
just about all times. So for the, the most efficient way for consistency and frequency right now is the phone. I mean, it, and it is social media. If you want to talk to a 17 or 18-year-old kid, you're going to do it via text message or direct message via Twitter, right? I mean, that's, right. that's the reality that we're in now. So it's, it's become so important, and, and it's, it's crucial for every brand, and, and especially for, uh, for these athletic programs that are trying to stay top of mind with, with you know, a, a recruit that's looking at a blue-chip recruit has 35-plus offers. How can you stay on top of that conversation within the rules? Well, there's a good chance that that kid is going to be following all 35 of those schools to see what they're about. And if they're following you and you're coming up and your content is breaking through and your content is consistent with the story that that person, that individual relates to, there's a good chance that you're going to get one of those, those five visits, right? And on that visit, there's a good chance that you hopefully will tell that same story, but tangibly in person. And if you can do those two things, your success rate has to go up. It has to. You, you have to have a better chance of com- getting a commitment than you would without that. But it does, in a lot of ways, start with, uh, with social media. I mean, that's just the reality that we're in now. Just a few minutes left with Jeremy Darlow, the author of the book Brands Win Championships. He's also the director of brand marketing for football and baseball for Adidas. You can get his book at Amazon or at bookstores. It's on sale now. All right. Who has done the best job of building their brand in the last five years? I want to look at sports and I want to look at corporations, remove sports from the picture. And you can't say Adidas. Go. Who's done the best job? sports-wise, whether it's pro or college, in the last five years, in your opinion, of building their brand? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. I mean, I think uh, I, I'm not going to name names on, on the college side uh, for obvious reasons, but I think if you look at it's pretty it's pretty apparent uh, if you truly look at who's done well in the past five to ten years and who previously hadn't done well. I think you, there's, there's a handful of teams, specifically in football. I think football, college football is uh, the place where these programs are evolving faster. If you look at the last five years, there's a handful of teams that 20 years ago would have no business being in the national championship conversation. Yet now, you look at the recruiting rankings, you look at the media, you look at the buzz, you look at the the conversations, and you look at the success on field, and there's, there's a handful of teams, like I said, that are now in that conversation consistently. And the reason why they're in that conversation is because they've decided that it's not about what they've been in the past. It's about what they can be right now and in the future. The reality is a 12-year-old kid five years from now won't know who was great in the 80s, right? That that. That's, that's the reality. And if you're banking on your tradition in the 60s, 70s, 80s, even the 90s, even, even the early 2000s now, that kid doesn't know it. And it's going to be, it may not be even relevant to that kid because what have you done for me lately? And lately there's a lot of teams that have done really well and you can almost strike 30 years of ineptitude from the record. I think those are the teams that I find to 
be really fascinating. Um, you can find find them in the Pac-12, the Big 12, and they're all over the place now. And 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 those are the guys that I think are they're going to sustain. Yeah, I mean, I think most people. You don't have to say it. I will. I think most people look at University of Oregon, and you know, it started with the billboard they took out in Times Square with Joey Harrington years ago, and you know, they've done some outside the box things with their uniforms and with other things, their practice facilities. So a lot of people look and go, thirty years ago, twenty years ago, fifteen years ago, Oregon wasn't very relevant. Now they've become a brand. They're much more relevant. They're attracting the attention of. Young people like we just discussed. What about, you know, I've always looked at Apple as a very innovative brand. And when I see something from Apple, it always catches my attention. Are there brands out there, non-sports, that you look at and go, they've adopted some of what I've talked about in Brands Win Championships and those philosophies to succeed? Well, you know, one one brand that uh, the last few years I've been really interested in and, and have followed a bit is Beats by Dre. Yeah, I think what they're doing is fantastic. You know, I haven't I haven't heard from them much lately, um, but I also haven't had my finger on the pulse much lately, to be quite honest. So they're owned by um, Apple now, <laughs> and and ironically they are. I mean, I, and I don't think I don't think that's um, that's by accident, right? By chance. I mean, those those two companies, I think, very, think very similarly. I think what they've done is taken a almost a commodity these days. In in everybody has a set of, of headphones, whether they're over ear or earbuds. Everybody has a set of headphones because everybody has an iPhone. Or you know, ten years ago, I was made fun of for, for talking about an iPod. Uh, I think about <laughs> four months back. Four months back, but uh, we all have music in our hands. You know, so. What they've done, in my opinion, is found a way to differentiate a commodity and make it style-driven. They may not get the best reviews on sound quality, but I'm looking at my Beats by Dre headphones right now, and I'm thinking the reason why I have them is because of the brand and because of the identity that they've, identity that they've created. I love what they've done in that they're almost, they're almost the equivalent of a sneakerhead brand in headphones. They come out with limited edition headphones. They come out with a ton of colors, right? This is this is almost a style accessory now. And, and at the same way that I think Steve Jobs and Apple created a style accessory in a computer, you, you were a lot cooler if you had a Mac five years ago than you were if you had a PC, right? And the, the commercial told you so. Right. And so did, the, so did the, the people around you because you go to a coffee shop the coolest people in your head, the ones that had the style and the ones that had the coolest jobs, they all had Macs. They all had Apples, right? Like that's that's what they they were building an identifier around a, a consumer product, which I think is so interesting. You had to have it whether you whether you needed uh, Photoshop or InDesign or Illustrator or not, you still wanted it because it said something about you. And I think Beats has done a similar, uh, they've taken a similar approach and it's worked. Uh, so I think I love what they've done. Well, we have lots of people who work in sports and we have tons of students who listen to sports business radio. And I'm telling all of you right now, go get brands win championships. It is a fantastic book. Very interesting read, really an outside the box. Look at building through college sports and building a brand period. It has some really great stats in it. Like I said, I love the infographics. 
Uh, Jeremy Darlow, who is the author of the book Brands Win Championships. He's also the director of brand marketing, football and baseball for Adidas. Follow him on Twitter at Jeremy Darlow. That's D-A-R-L-O-W. Jeremy, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. Continued success to you. Thanks, Brian, so much. I really, really appreciate it. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in touch with SBR on Twitter. Twitter.com slash SB Radio. Powered by Postano. Hi, it's Brian Berger. Here at Sports Business Radio, we are proud to work with our partners, Pastano. They make a sports-proven visual marketing platform that I've personally been amazed to see. Teams like the Dallas Cowboys, Boston Red Sox, LA Kings, and Cleveland Cavaliers all use Pastano to engage their fans. When sports teams and fans tell their stories together, amazing things can happen. Every fan has a story. Whether you want to put selfies on the Jumbotron, create a dynamic social media command center, or activate a hashtag campaign on your website, Pastano can design an amazing social experience true to your brand. Even better, using the Pastano platform can pay for itself through selling sponsorships. As an example, the Kings sell sponsor space to Toyota and other clients and run the ads using Pistano. Want to see what your team's social content could look like? Schedule a demo today. Go to pistano.com slash sports. If you're a fan of this podcast, you understand the real power of engaging your fans. And these guys get it. That is P-O-S-T-A-N-O dot com. This is Sports Business Radio. We are back to wrap up this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our guest, Rob Shack from Reuters News Agency. Great conversation with him. Justin Garrity, the president of Pistano. Jill Stelfox from Zebra Technologies. And Jeremy Darlow, the author of the book Brands Win Championships. You can get it on Amazon.com and in bookstores now. I want to remind everyone, again, very excited to announce that the next Sports Business Radio Roadshow is being presented by Boingo Wireless and will take place on Monday, November 30th at the University of Southern California in Los Angeles. My guest will be Los Angeles Lakers owner and President Jeannie Buss, who is also a USC graduate. Excited that the USC student athletes and sports business students will be our audience. They'll be able to ask questions. We will record the conversation that evening. And we will air it on Sports Business Radio in early December. Watch for the link to that show on our Twitter feed at SB Radio. Thank you to our staff, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Doug Zanger. Thanks to our friends at Pistano for powering Sports Business Radio. Follow them online at Pistano.com or on Twitter at Pistano. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast. Go to iTunes, type in Sports Business Radio. We're rated in the top 100 business news podcast. You can also find our show on the TuneIn Radio and Stitcher apps. We have an Audio Boom page, so go to audioboom.com and type in Sports Business Radio. You can get all of our shows from 2006 on and some of our best interviews. Follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. Our Twitter feed was named as one of the top 100 sports business must-follows on Twitter, so we will keep you up to date on sports business happenings in between shows. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. Sports 
Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock. He's the executive director of the Bull Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, uh, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio.